Before we dive into this episode of the Letters to Women podcast, I want to share some really exciting news with you. In the beginning of July, Joseph and I found out that we are adopting, and we matched with a birth mom who's making an adoption plan for her baby girl with a special needs diagnosis. Before I go any further, I want you to hit pause on this podcast episode and say a prayer for this birth mom who is making an adoption plan for her baby with us. Please pray for rest and peace and wisdom for her as she makes this decision. She's due at the end of July, and by the time this podcast comes out, she may have already given birth, and we are currently on call to hit the road whenever she goes into labor within the next couple of days or weeks. Could you also say a prayer for us as we prepare to welcome this little girl into our home? Pray for our daughters who are over the moon excited to have a new baby sister. Pray for this mom and her baby for a restful last few weeks of pregnancy for her, for a smooth labor and delivery. And please also pray for our team at our adoption agency. If you are a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that Joseph and I have been praying and preparing for adoption for the past year and a half. That means we've been really blessed to be able to save up for a lot of the expenses related to adoption. But I would also love to invite you into this journey with us in these last few weeks as we get ready to welcome this baby girl into our home we're fundraising the small remainder of those expenses like legal fees and travel expenses so we have a fundraiser set up so i'm going to leave the link to that in the show notes and i'd be so honored and humbled with any help you can give whether that is praying for us and for this birth mom and for her baby for joining us financially or for just sharing about this fundraiser and the story with others So what does this news mean for the Letters to Women podcast? Well, I have a wonderful conversation with Tish Oxenreiter that I'm going to be releasing in the next few weeks for you to listen to. But after that episode launches, it will be quiet around here as we adjust to becoming a family of five and finding a new rhythm with a new baby in the house. And I might pop into your podcast feed with some updates, but you can also follow along over on my Substack Naptime Notes, and I'll link that in today's show notes for you too. I was reflecting on this entire adoption journey and thanking God for the incredible community of listeners around the Letters to Women podcast. So many of you have reached out and helped me connect with local families who are also parenting a child with a disability. You've prayed for us. You've been such an incredible support system. So thank you. I thank you for your prayers for everyone involved. Now onto this week's episode of the Letters to Women podcast. This week, I'm sitting down with Sarah Swafford. She first came on the show way back in 2018, and she talked about emotions and virtue, and she is back for another conversation about virtue, a brand new book called Gift and Grit that she just wrote with her husband Swaff, and a deep dive into the topic of friendship, especially if you are navigating a challenging season of life or a new season of life. So whether you're blessed with incredible community of friends around you and you want to grow deeper in relationship with them and strive for virtue you with them, or you're starting out in a new season of life and you're just hungry for authentic friendship, then this letter is for you. Today's episode of the Letters to Women podcast is sponsored by Sacred Heart Tea Company. There are so many traditions that we have around our house that center around tea. Joseph and I make mugs of tea as we wind down in the evening after putting our toddlers down for the night. I love sitting down with Maeve and Ada for little tea parties on rainy afternoons around the house this summer. And when calming down for the night is a challenge, which happens more times than not, I brew a mug of tea for Maeve to sip on during our bedtime book reading. Sacred Heart Tea Company creates loose leaf teas based on the lives of the saints. So not only is it the perfect addition to your evening or morning routine, it also is a chance to learn about the saints and their stories. Their tea shop features green, black, and herbal teas, as well as caffeine-free teas for those evening routines. And if you don't know where to start, check out their Communion of Saints sampler, which features sample sizes of all their teas. You can find out more at sacredhearttea.com and use the code LETTERS, all caps, to get 10% off your purchase at checkout. That's sacredhearttea.com with the code LETTERS for 10% off. 
Today, I'm welcoming Sarah Swafford to the podcast. Sarah is the founder of Emotional Virtue Ministries. She speaks internationally on a variety of topics, including faith, relationships, and interior confidence. Engaging audiences of all ages, Sarah shares her message at school assemblies, retreats, rallies, parishes, and conferences around the world, including Focus and Steubenville conferences in the United States and Canada. Sarah is a well-known author on dating and relationships and is the co-host of an EWTN series on the same topic. She's also a contributor to Chosen, Ascension's confirmation program, and a co-presenter in What We Believe, The Beauty of the Catholic Faith. Sarah resides in Atchison, Kansas, with her wonderful husband and their children, Thomas, Fulton, Kate, Colby, John Paul, and Avila. Sarah, welcome to Letters to Women. It's so good to sit down and chat with you again. I know. It is great to see you. When you said it's been 2018, I was like, that feels like a year. It's like the COVID time warp. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm like, wait, how old am I? How old are my kids? I, I, I'm 25 forever. So I don't know how old everybody else is. But yeah, I turned 40 this year. So I'm really in a time warp now. So yeah. I have a birthday coming up in a couple of weeks. And I thought I was turning two years younger than I actually am. And it was always the, the realization <laughs> No, I already lived those two years. Quick They're math. Quick math. <laughs> exactly. I feel like after 30, it's okay. It's just one big party. It's fine. We don't need to keep track anymore. So today we're going to be talking about a brand new book that you've written with your husband. We're going to be talking about St. Pope John Paul II, who's a favorite of this show and friendship and community and virtue. But catch us up a little bit. And for listeners who aren't, who are meeting you for the first time, can you tell me a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Oh my gosh, I love it. I'm so glad we have four hours to unpack, you know, my life. And yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, I always love these questions because I feel like Miss America, like trying to, you know, like answer world peace in one minute and talk about community and friendship and dating and like, you know, five minutes. You know, I grew up Catholic and um, which is so I, I'm just the beauty of the Catholic church. Um, but my mom and dad always joke. They're like, speak slowly, Sarah. We're 70s Catholics. So like we grew up, bless us, oh Lord. And now I lay me down to sleep and we went to mass every Sunday. Um, and prayed rosaries when people died, you know, but like, it wasn't, it was just, I was culturally Catholic and I loved it. And I, you know, I, I definitely had a great experience with the church, but I didn't really have a personal relationship with Christ. Um, most of my friends in high school were Protestant. And so that was really awesome because I learned so much from them, but it was also really difficult because I didn't know much about my faith. Um, and so I was really close to walking away my junior year of high school. Um, and I ended up going on a a trip, this cute boy from a neighboring youth group, because I didn't have a youth group, this cute boy at school was like, do you want to go with us to St. Louis on a church trip? And I'm like, I'll go anywhere with you, babe. Like, absolutely, you know? Um, so anyway, I went with, I went on this trip because the guys were cute and I ended up meeting a different guy that was cuter in, uh, in the, my first experience with John Paul II, with Pope John Paul II. It was when he came to St. Louis and that was what it was. And I remember I remember going and just not having a real connection to the church or I didn't even know really who the Pope was. Um, I loved that DC talk was there. I really honestly went for DC talk and, um, and the key voice. So anyway, my, my love for the church, I remember he came out on stage and I started, I just broke into like, I just like started crying. And I looked at the guy next to me and the other guy next to me and they were both crying too. And I was like, what is it with this man? You know, I was like, what is going on? And um, I remember at the end of it, I said, I'll be Catholic till the day I die. And I don't know why, but I just like that really sealed it for me. And I went home and I called my archdiocese and I, cause we didn't have a youth group. So I called the archdiocese and I was like, I would like to be more Catholic. I was just wondering if there's any other ways to do that. Um, and I'm sure the lady was like, yeah, line four is the bishop, you know, like I'm sure, I'm sure that's what he was saying, but she got me on a tech retreat. She set me up on a tech retreat. And that was really the beginning of my faith. And it was beautiful. And I just kind of like, again, got swept into all of it. 
um, and loved it. But it was also going, you know, I always say everybody's stories when they ask me for my testimony, I'm like, which one? I have 16 uh, going deeper with the Lord. But but yeah, so that kind of got me out of a bad relationship, got me plugged into people at Benedictine College. You know, I started working a camp for Catholic, um, like an adventure camp. Uh, so, I mean, it was it was just great. It was like that slow roll through college back to the Lord. Just really beautiful. And I'm so grateful. And and what ended up happening was going to Benedictine, meeting my husband there. Um, and then he became a professor at Benedictine and I was a dorm director as we were so poor. It was just a great way to make money because I could stay home with our kids. We have six, you know, six kids at the time I had two. And so I started doing ministry as a dorm director. And really it was just loving on these girls and guys that were, we were living with them, you know? So that was where emotional virtue was born was just me listening and trying to figure out how to navigate. Oh my gosh, like social media, texting, it all came out right during that same time, like 2007, 2008, 2009. I was, you know, again, I'm newly married with little kids and I'm like, what the, what is this? You know, it was just, I was just trying to like navigate life with my little sisters and little, like these, these guys that would come to me and be like, I don't know what to do with this phone. I'm like, neither do I, let's figure it out together. So um, that's where emotional virtue was born. And and now we live across the street from Benedictine and we just uh, celebrated, Swaf just celebrated 15 years teaching. And um, so now we're kind of like, I always thought I was like the older sister. Um, and now they're like, man, I wish you were my mom. And I'm like, why am I this old? Why am I this old? Um, my oldest is 17. So I'm still the cool big sister, at least for another two years, I think one year, two years. So um, but yeah, that's where it all was born. And um, I love our faith. I love the church. I love the saints. I love Mary. I love all the things, but I also know how hard it is to be a young adult and to be a human in our world right now. And so I just really love being in the trenches and fighting the good fight with with you, with all, all these people listening on your podcast. It's just, it's not always easy, but it's always worth it. And so it's just, you know, it's really hanging in the hanging in the ring and swing it, keep swinging. You know, it's, it's a fight, uh, but I'm here for it. And I'm excited for it. You just wrote a book with your husband called Gift and Grit which I loved reading because it was like a, it was a peek into what you're just sharing about living in community with young adults. But I'd love to hear more about the origin story specifically of that book and what a reader's going to find when they crack open the cover and what it was like to write a book with your spouse. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. Well, first of all, thank you for looking through it. That, I mean, it, it's always funny when you write something, it's kind of like having a baby and mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a labor of love it, and you're like, oh man, I'm so glad this baby's finally here because I'm tired. You know what I mean? I'm tired. Yeah. It's just like, you know, everyone who understand, understands that, but, but yeah, you, you know, Swaff and I, my husband, we sit around and we talk a lot. You know, we talk after, like we talk after church, we hang out with young adults. We have a lot of people come through our house and hang out. We've done a lot of different pilgrimages and conferences. And, you know, I, at Seek, I, I remember at Seek, I stood at my booth for seven hours and I just like was hugged people and prayed with people and talked to people. And so we're so, we're so blessed because we, we are just, we get to, we always joke that we're kind of like the priests, but we can talk like in a confessional, you know what I mean? Like we get to hear all the stories of like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this is going on or, oh my gosh, like this is so hard. And I have such a heart for, for young adults, but to be honest, like everything we talk about in the book for young adults is for adults as well. Like it's, I mean, we wrote it from our, for ourselves as well. It was like, man, I, like I'm talking to myself. So it doesn't really matter what age you are, but I think we we have a heart for young adults. There's not a lot out there for them right now. You know, I have a lot of guys that will come up to me and be like, Sarah, can you give a talk on how to flirt again? Because like, I think I forgot like how to talk to women. I'm like, you probably did. So we should, yeah, we should definitely write about that. So anyway, like we kind of just sat down. We've been, we've been asked to write this book for a long time and we had been putting it off because of life and just, you know, just life. But when I wrote my book um, in 2015, 
it was li literally because Jason Everett would not stop asking me because he was like, you, he's like, Sarah, you cannot be everywhere. You have to write this down, you know? And he, he was right. You know, I can't be everywhere. And being a homeschool mom, like you just can't even get, you can't even get out to do as many events as you want to do it. And it can, you know, and it can feel like, you know, it, it's like, gosh, I, I want to give this, you know, I want, I personally would love to go to coffee with every single person in America. Like I really would. So I would, I would need for someone to pay for it. But right, other right. than that, I would like really do it. And so this is a way for us to like be with them. And so this book really came out of a, like that, that desire to, to be JP2 in the sense of accompaniment, right? Like he was the master. He's the homecoming king. I call him the Catholic homecoming king. Cause he's just amazing. Um, but he was really good at walking with people and, and he, you know, he was really good about getting people to unplug and to get out and get away from their comfort zone, get away from the norm. Um, and so when we actually went over in 2018, in the spring, we went over to Italy. We, Andy taught abroad for a semester for Benedictine. So our whole family moved over there for 90 days, which was, it was such a gift. I keep telling, I've never been so tired. I've never been so empty and so full in my entire life. Cause we had 50 college students that lived with us and we'd stay up till two in the morning, just like sorting out life and just, you know, talking and, and really honestly accompaniment. That's what it was. And, it, and it's very rare to have 50 college students who their phones don't really work. They don't really have like anything going on other than classes. You know, I mean, they, they literally were on like a three month retreat and we were with them and we didn't have soccer and we didn't have jujitsu and we didn't have like meetings and you know swap was working but there so it was just it was really beautiful and what happened was is we got another look into what they're going through and this was even pre-covid so it was like wow like it had changed a lot even since 2007 when i was in i mean facebook is very different than twitter facebook is very different than um tiktok Facebook, you know, those Facebook girls um, <laughs> are very different and guys are very different than where we're at now. And so I think that, and it's not just social media, it's, it's just our world. It's the dating scene is really messy. It's also really hard right now to just be human and to find friends again. And just, you know, all those things, no matter what age you are, um, it's really messy. And so when we were in Italy, we became, we, we called our group, they ended up calling themselves Shrodovisco, which is a big part of the book is basically Shrodovisco was the group of JP2. I mean, everyone has seen those like bougie black and whites of JP2 looking like just looking amazing. Like basically what that was, if you do a little digging is he, okay. So I, you always notice he's not in clerics typically. And I was like, man, he like, you know, he had like glasses and a white pullover, you know what I mean? Like on, and, and I was like, that's so interesting. And then you do a little digging and it's like, oh, so basically for your listeners that, you know, don't know, cause I didn't know any of the story until we started digging, but they, they were in the middle of communism and it was, it was illegal. Like literally he could have been thrown in jail to be with young people. So he would, they would sneak up into the mountains. Like they were up there kind of in hiding and they would literally go up and he would take them out up into the mountains and they would go kayaking and they'd go camping and they would, you know, hang out men and women hanging out. And basically they started this little, they called it Shrodovisco, which means like, like little family or milieu. It can mean environment. They call themselves like Shrodovisco and it basically meant like zone of freedom. And it was this place where they could go and they could ask him anything and they could, he could talk about anything and he could explain to them like, you know, truths and things about the Catholic church that he couldn't speak freely of when they were in town, when they were in the city of Krakow. And so it was just this beautiful place where they could go and they could be themselves. The college students typically wouldn't even share their last names because there were 75,000 spies 
planted within the communities who would rat you out if you went to church or if you talked about the faith or if you tell me if this sounds familiar, if you stepped out of line, if you said something that went against what everybody else said, you would be canceled. Let's be real. It's a very much a cancel culture. And I'm not comparing what we live in to communism, but I think everyone knows what I mean when when I say they felt like they couldn't, they, you know, they were questioning what they believed. They were trying to establish, you know, I when a lot of my talks, I always say, what is your definition of love? Because once you start thinking like, okay, what is my definition of love? And what do I believe like about the faith or about, you know, life or, you know, all those big questions that young adults are notorious for asking and sometimes not finding the answers to. Mm -hmm. So we literally took, you know, this little shirt of Isco, these 50 college students, and we, we really made that semester kind of, a, you know, a place where they could ask anything. You know, we talked about everything and it was really beautiful, but it also was very eye-opening for Swaff and I, the questions they asked, what they were going through. And this book is really the fruit of all the questions all the time. And then we, you know, we see thousands of college students, thousands of young adults. And so just taking their questions and saying, okay, we're not going to beat around the bush anymore. Like uh, there's so many parts in the book where I was like, this is way too strong. People are going to hate us. And so I was like, I know it's great. And I'm like, no, I'm female. I don't want anyone to hate me. Um, but you know, it's like things that just needed to be said, you know, and things that needed to be addressed. And it's not the book is not, um, it's very loving. It comes across in a very loving way. I just, we really felt like, you know, if we don't, if we don't answer these questions, they're not going to have anyone else to answer them. And I think that's how, you know, my, my 60, my 60 year old mom read it in 36 hours. And she was just like, Sarah, that was so good. Like I had a lot of those questions. Like I needed, I needed to be like clear. And like, I really sat with that book and I really had to rethink like, oh my gosh, like what I'm like, what, like, what is my purpose in life and my meaning in life and where am I going? And, you know, just all these beautiful, big questions. And so I'm so grateful for you looking through it and I hope it helped in any way, but I, we really just wanted to accompany people the way JP2 accompanied us and those college students back, you know, way back in the day, those young adults in Krakow. You talk about how this was born from conversations with young adults, but it applies to everyone from their age range all the way up to your 60-year-old mama and beyond. And I think a lot of women who are listening to this podcast find themselves in, in new seasons on a regular basis, which is kind of how life as a woman goes. The way with this, I just graduated from college or I'm dating someone new or I'm engaged or I just got married or I'm welcoming a new baby, especially for community and friendships because that's so universally challenging right now. How do we navigate friendship well, in a, especially in a changing season? And what does it look like to not only to make friends, but then to become truly vulnerable, wrestle with these big topics. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm so glad we have four hours because I'm, I'm really like, I, I always say new moms, like if you're having your first baby, I will show up to your house with a toothbrush and scrub your toilet. Like that's literally how I feel about first time moms and about just literally anybody having a baby. Um, and I'm three weeks in with Avila and it's every time, you know, like you just said, transitions, you know, like I feel like as a woman, which I know I love that this is letters to women so I can, you know, I'm sure you have some fantastic men that are sneaking on here, but I just definitely have this like really, I have this heart for women because the devil is so flipping loud. And I think that he's really loud in seasons of transition. And I think, you know, whether it's moving or starting a new job, or like you said, graduating, he just like loves to lay out like everything that could go wrong or every weakness that you have or every which way that you failed. And it's just like, oh my gosh, um, a, a religious sister friend of mine calls him s silly little red pants because she thinks that's just like more appropriate for him. It gives him no power. <laughs> and so I just feel like silly little red pants needs to like sit down and shut up. No one asked you. Um, and so the number one thing that I would say is, 
you know, when you're going, when you're trying to find community, especially if you're in a season of, you just feel really alone and you can even feel alone with six kids and you can even feel alone with a community of friends that are great. You know, it's just, it, it's different seasons, even in our spiritual, emotional, physical state where you're just like, man, this is wild. I just feel so alone. And I really have felt that so many times in my life too. And so that's why I think that community is something worth fighting for. And, and that's one thing that, you know, I have, I have a couple of girls that I've walked with in different seasons and they're like, I just always have your voice in my head. That's like, make it a priority, you know, like, and it's like, not, it's not because you don't want to, it's just really hard. It's easy to have that be the first thing to go. And, and I think that that's just, especially as women, you know, it's like the kids need friends. My husband needs a friend, you know, that's like, yep. yeah, so do you, you know, and, and, and I'm speaking to myself and, you know, speaking to everybody that it's so good, but I think, when, when we wrote the book, Gift and Grit, the, the premise of the book is your life is a gift. You are a gift. And that is so hard to believe. Swaff always says the hardest teachings of the church aren't the sexual teachings or morality. It's like that God loves you. You, this little speck of matter that feels so insignificant and you with all your wounds, God loves you and you're a gift. Everything you've been given is gift from him. Just to be able to grasp that, like it, like as Sister Miriam says, it is good that you exist. You know, like it, like this whole idea of like your life is a gift. You are a gift. God loves you. And the whole point of your life is to give your life away as a gift because that's where you're only truly going to be happy. And then the question is, do you have the grit to do that? And that's where the whole premise of the book came from because I see so many young people wrestle with this because it's like, we all have been to high school. High school was all about me. Hi, I didn't, I didn't have a care in the world for anybody else. I mean, it was like literally all, or I mean, junior high, high school, and then college is where you're like, wow, I'm a horrible person. Um, you know what I mean? Like, not really. But, you know, college is where I woke up and was like, my life is not about me and I'm actually miserable. And so that's, I think that's why conversion is so beautiful in, in young adulthood, in college and young adulthood, because I think that it's where you kind of wake up and you go, shoot, dang, I have everything I want and I am empty. Like, shoot, I, I have chased these rabbits and I've chased these images and this, this boy and this, you know, this career and I'm still not, fulfilled, you know? And it's like, what is the secret? And I think that being able, that's what we did in this book is try to show everybody, any age, you know, like it really is like everything is a gift and your whole life is about giving it away. And it is really hard to have the virtue and the faith and the perseverance and the selflessness to do that. And so we went through and just very practically talked about that, but here's the deal. All of the gift and grit stuff doesn't work unless you're in a community that supports you. And, and I mean that as like in your, like, you know, we joke like inner circle and then like inner, inner circle. And you have these circles of like friendship, you know, like, like you have to have these circles, these inner circles that really know you. And you just nailed it when you said like someone to be, you know, I always say the three ingredients of a great friendship are availability, vulnerability, and accountability. Shoot me now. We hate them all. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like any of the three. I would prefer no, you know, but they're, but they're there because our Lord really, I think has set it up to say, okay, you have to, you have to be with people in person, eyeballs, like hugs, like, you know, you have to have those people that are, are with you and you're doing life with them. Then you have to be real with them. And it's, it's a, the cardinal sin of, of Gen Zers and millennials pretty much is to show weakness. I mean, you're supposed to have everything together. It's supposed to look really good. Um, and so to be able to like tell someone I'm really struggling, 
with this or that or this or that just to be like, yeah. I mean, the great Ch Chesterton has this great quote where he says true friendship begins with the with the words me too. And I always think back to like um, being newly married with new like little I had two boys really young two under two. And I remember going to this like rosary group like with I, I, I literally like scoured the earth for a Catholic group. And I went to this rosary group and this mom had like six or seven kids. And she's like, she looked at me and she's like, oh, girl, this is the hardest stage. She's like, I would take she was like, I would take triplets right now. She's like, I haven't cleaned my house in years. Like she was just like, and I literally went home and cried because I was just so relieved. She's like, she's like, oh, yeah, you're at the hardest stage. I did not love every minute of that girl. Like she just and my heart just like was like free. Because I just was like not sleeping. I was like barely showering. And, you know, I mean, it's just like this crazy life. And I needed someone to look at me and be like, me too. Like, it's hard. You're doing great. I, I, my husband and I stop people in the grocery store that have young children. We're like, you're killing it, man. You're doing great. It's so hard. You're at the hardest stage. Like you got this, you know, because it is so hard. And so I think that having a community around you, again, your inner circle who can love you and be there for you, but also people who can, you can be vulnerable with and then also accountable to like to be able to say, Hey, you know, like if you're a young adult woman and you're living in a big city to have some girlfriends that are like, Hey, we're going to mass at 11. Do you want to come with us? And if you text back, no, I'm good. It's like, okay, well you told me to text you and make sure you went to mass on Sunday. <laughs> like to have like that accountability is killer. Um, to have some friends that you maybe live with or have, you know, that accountability for chastity, to have that accountability when you're a young mom that to make sure that other moms are like, Hey, how's your prayer life? Like, do you need help? Like, do you want to go to the park and like switch adoration time? Like, you know, just having someone to kind of like check with you. Um, and if you're married, you know, to, to really be honest with your spouse and be like, I really need 30 minutes of mental prayer. Like I want it for you and I need it for me. So let's like make this, this, you know, the fatted calf, the sacred cow, you know, like, like we have to make this the thing that we need. And so I think that the book just really helps kind of lay out those okay, what are our pitfalls? What, you know, we get really excited about stuff and then it wears off. How does Jesus want to come into this and really help you grow and heal and really rock this? Because it's going to be really hard. And it is, it just is, you know, like a lot of young adults will look at our life and be like, oh, it's, I love your family. I love you. I love your children. They're so beautiful. And then it's like, come a little closer and like, they'll see how hard, I mean, just how crazy life is and, and parenting is not easy. And, you know, being married is not easy and being a religious is not easy and being a priest is not easy, but a vocation, you know, we always joke like vocation when you discern, it's really the question is, Lord, how do you want me to spend my love? Because you're going to sacrifice and you're going to suffer in both, in all, in all vocations. And so when you're praying through that, that's the grit part, you know, it's like, man, everything is a gift. I, I want to rock all these things, you know, but really that, you know, that grit part is this is going to be a challenge. And, and again, what worth having in life isn't worth work. Amen. I mean, it's just the joy comes sometimes with the cross. And so I, yeah, it's, it's just a great, again, the book is straight from our heart. So it's like hanging out with us and that's how we wanted it to be. The listener wants to pick up a copy and dig deeper. Where can they pick up a copy of Gift and Grit, How Heroic Virtue Can Change Your Life and Relationships? And how can they connect with you online to keep the conversation going after this episode? Yeah, I love it. I try I try to be present on, on the gram, on the Instagram. Um, it's so hard with family, but it, I'm around, I'm around. Um, and the, the swafford.com is where they can find the book. We love being able to sign the books and personalize them. Um, so if they order them from us, we can like, if you want to give it to someone, we can put their name on it. If you want it for yourself, we can address it to you, but it's really fun to get to sign them. It just feels like more personal for me because I feel like I got to give it to you, which is so great. So, um, but yeah, they can find it there. Ascensionpress.com. I think Amazon has it. 
Um, but we, yeah, we just, we really want people, we hear all the time, like, I just feel really alone. I feel really isolated. I feel really far from God. I feel like far from the church. I don't know how, we just hear a lot of people of all ages say like, I, like, I want to get back to my faith. I want to get back in the game, but I don't really know how. And I think this would be a good book for someone who's in that spot or even for a parent or, you know, a friend, if you have someone who's kind of like walked away or, you know, it's always a slow it's never like a slam the door. It's usually like a, you know, the door keeps slowly opening and they walk through it, you know, and they, and they leave. So it, you know, we really wanted it to be a book that people could feel like they could hand it to a friend. Um, and it's not volatile. It's not, you know, accusatory. It's not judgmental. It's literally an invitation back. And, um, and that was really important to us. How do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life? Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. The feminine genius. Mm, it's so bougie. I just love the way it, feminine genius is just like, I feel like we, I don't smoke, but I feel like when we say it, we need the cigarette with like yes, the long, yes. you know what I Audrey mean? Like, how yep. do I live out the feminine genius? Like I, I feel like I need a cute hat and like pearls and like, I don't know. Um, I, I love that question. I think that, um, I'm going to be really honest. Like I, Lisa Cotter was a, a bridesmaid in my wedding and she just wrote this fantastic book, you know, on, on femininity. And I was like, praise God, you're writing that. Cause I feel like I would just fall all over myself because it's so hard to define. It's so hard to like nail it down. And I thought she did such a great job. But one of the things that I've really struggled with in my life is the wound of rejection and, dis- and dismissal from being bullied. What I've always found is that the devil likes to tell me I'm either too much or not enough. And I think that that when I think about the feminine genius, I think about how God has really instilled in me the perfect, like, again, like every lie that the devil has ever, you know, like tried to feed me. And I, I have definitely bought into, you know, bought into them at different times in my life. I feel like the feminine genius is when you're able to look at the Lord and say, I see what you see. And I think that for, for you to be able to like silence all the the naysayers, the lies, the wounds, because it is so much work. It is so hard. But I think the feminine genius is re- really where you can rise up and say, Lord, I see what you see. And I, I'm going to let you see me. You know, I, I my conversion was really a, a, a mix of I'm afraid for the Lord to see me and I'm afraid to be seen with the Lord. It, my image was very important to me in high school and college. It was like, I've built this image up, which is totally empty and wounded. But it's just like, you you know, as we, as women, you're like, but I'm so, I'm so like invested in this, right? And it was really, I think the feminine genius for me, and again, this could go like a hundred different directions in a hundred different hours. But I mean, we could talk about this for hours. But I think for me, when I think about living it out, it's when I can really sit before the Lord and be bare in front of him and also be so in step with him and in his will, you know, and, and I think that, that that's a feminine genius. So when people look at real feminine women who I think are faithful and I'm just going to say it, badasses, you know, like they think about these, these saints, right? Like, I mean, I just think that some of these women were just so like Avila and, and Catherine are two girls are named after Sienna and, and Avila. And, but again, it's like these women who are just like so convicted and so compelled to be themselves. And they, they, I'm sure, I mean, they, I know they had wounds they worked through. I know they had things they had to go through, but, but they were not afraid to be seen with the Lord and they were not afraid to be seen by the Lord. And they were just, they believed what the Lord said about them. And then they lived and they, and they loved and they were strong, but they also were gentle and loving and beautiful. And, you know, I mean, they were, and I think that's what the, I think that's what the world the world just cannot wrap their head around it. The real like feminine movement just cannot understand just, just parts of us, like, and why we operate the way we operate. They just can't get their head around it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the gift and grit kind of idea of, you know, I have women that'll stop me and be like, why do you have six kids? Like they don't, they can't wrap their head around it, but it's like, you know, why do you have, you know, why are these beautiful women, you know, 
doing these amazing things in their careers and doing, you know, like all these different things for the Lord and just like putting light, you know, putting their whole heart and soul into things. It's like so beautiful. But those women, the feminine genius is when you know who you are and you're living it out. You're listening to God. You're letting him do and act and move and you're in his will. And there's only peace in there. And I think that's what, when, when you have peace, when you have that peace about yourself and about what you're doing and about God's will, it is like a magnet. It's just people. And again, that's what feminine genius is, is people gravitate to that. And they're like, she, what does she have? And I think that's what changes the world. And you think about all these great saints, all these great females known and unknown who have just completely transformed our world. And it, there's something so attractive about it. And it's that selflessness and it's that forgetting about yourself and living for the Lord. And it's very hard, but I think it's so important. And I mean, there's a million ways you could take this, but that for me is just, it was really trying to silence the devil and those wounds and working through wounds so that I could really sit in the gaze of the father and let the Lord love me. Like that was really when I figured it out, I think. And it's so hard. It's like a daily ongoing thing that I have to continue to commit to. And that's what I tell your listeners is like, throw out whatever image that you think you need to have of yourself and ask the Lord to really let, let him see you and be seen by you. Um, and let, and let the Lord love you and really kind of sit in that and let him decide what, like really what your beauty, all the beauty that there is within you. I could chat with you forever. Thank you for the the gift that is Gift and Grit. I am so excited to continue to share this with friends and family members. Oh, so, thank you. Well well, done. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I, we hope it helps in any way. We really wrote it because we just want to be there for people. And it's sometimes easier to write it out and, and, and give our heart that way. And, um, but I'm still down for coffee anytime. So yeah, everyone find me. So <laughs> very good. Well, thanks for coming on the show and thanks for your time tonight. Thanks for having me. God bless you, friend. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Letters to Women podcast. You can check out the show notes for my conversation with Sarah on my website, letterstowomenpodcast.com, or just scroll down in your podcast player and connect with Sarah online. In the show notes, you'll also find a link to Sacred Heart Tea Company. That's the sponsor for today's episode. You'll also find a link to sign up for my newsletter. Once a month, I share about the books that I'm reading, both to myself and to the girls, braggable thrift store finds, updates on where we're at in this adoption process, and the podcast that I'm listening to. Naptime Notes is always free, but if you subscribe at five bucks a month, you get early and ad-free access to all the Letters to Women podcast episodes before they go live. You'll also find a link to our adoption fundraiser in the show notes as well. If you listen to the podcast, you'll love the conversations and the guests of the show, please leave a rating and review, especially if you're tuning in on iTunes or Spotify. And if you know someone who would love to listen in on this conversation with Sarah, please send it their way. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you want to share about a guest that you'd love to see on the show or share about your experience as a listener, you can always send me an email, letters to women at gmail.com. I would love to connect with you. And that's all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid.